Well, hello, everyone. We're back with our study from the book of Proverbs today. And if you would turn with me to Proverbs, the 15th chapter, we'll get started. Proverbs 15. Now, we'll use Proverbs 15 as kind of a jumping off point uh, today. And we're continuing our series entitled Principles from the Proverbs. We're going through the book of Proverbs, not from a chapter by chapter, verse by verse approach, because the book doesn't necessarily lend itself to that approach, but rather we're going through looking at various topics uh, that are covered in the book, seeing what the book of Proverbs uh, and what wisdom it has to share with us on that particular topic. Now, today we're going to talk about a topic that I think many pastors or, or churches uh, maybe tend to avoid. Uh, and we're going to talk about the topic of money, or more generally speaking, the topic of material possessions and how to handle them properly. So before we ever get started with our study today, let's pray and ask the Lord for his blessing and guidance in our look at his word. Lord, thank you again for this time together in your word, in this wisdom book, the book of Proverbs. And Lord, as we study how to handle, how to manage our material possessions, money, and, and things like that. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, help us to uh, gain from this study uh, what, we need to, uh, what we need to learn and what you have to teach us in, in regards to handling things uh, that we possess, the resources that we have. And Lord, may we use the resources uh, not only for your honor and for your glory, but Lord, for the furtherance of your kingdom. Or bless our study together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're just going to read a few verses here as sort of an introduction uh, as we dive into our topic today. And several of the verses in this particular passage that we're about to read have direct application to what we're going to discuss today. So we'll look at Proverbs chapter 15, and we'll start with verse 16. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. And the Bible says in Proverbs, starting in Proverbs 15 and verse 16, better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. And oh boy, don't we need to understand that one, huh? Uh, money is not the answer to everything. You know, a lot of people who have money do not have happiness. Now, money doesn't necessarily negate happiness if it's handled correctly, uh, but there is sometimes an odd view that somehow money itself brings happiness. It does not. Now, verse 17 kind of reinforces that idea. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. And the idea is this. It's better if you just have herbs or a vegetarian diet. Now, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. Uh, I shudder at the fact of a vegetarian diet. Uh, but it's better, actually, to eat a vegetarian diet. But there's love present. There's unity. There's harmony. And maybe all you have to eat is vegetables. And the, the Bible says that's fine if there's love present. And if you have an ox in the stall, in other words, all the beef that you'd care to eat, 
That's not good if hatred comes with it. Uh, the atmosphere in which you enjoy the good things of God is the key. Uh, and that atmosphere is not created by the abundance of possessions or even the lack of possessions that you have. You know, I've known plenty of people throughout my life who were poor, who would say something like this. We were poor, but we didn't know it. And boy, what a tremendous testimony that is. Uh, we were poor, but we didn't know it. Why? Well, because there was love there. Uh, even though they didn't have everything that maybe somebody else may have had, or they didn't have all the things that maybe they might have needed. Uh, and, and there are plenty of people who have all the wealth in the world, and that wealth accompany, accompanies with it misery. Now, that doesn't have to be so. But the Bible says if you have to choose between wealth and happiness, choose happiness. Choose happiness. Let's look at verse 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. Now think about that. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns. I mean, what does that mean? Now we're today dealing with material possessions. Uh, a lazy man is an individual who does not take care of his responsibilities. I mean, have you ever, uh, think about this. Have you ever tried to walk through bushland or forest? I mean, inevitably, you come across a thick patch of thorn bushes that kind of block your way. And you can't go through them very quickly, can you? Uh, and as you try to push your way through them, those thorns poke you and they prod you and they hurt. And everywhere you turn, you get stuck. You get stuck in your arms. You get stuck in your legs and in your hands and, and different things. And it's, it's an impediment to your progress. And that's exactly what the Bible is talking about. The lazy man, because he's not careful in his business dealings, every time he turns around, he feels the pain of something. Uh, because he's too lazy to take care of anything. And the thorns have enclosed him. Now, laziness brings problems that keep a person from getting what they want. I mean, his life has obstructions, the lazy persons. Uh, the upright, by comparison, have a clear path with fewer problems. Their life is like a smooth highway. Nothing impedes their progress. And that's the truth of it. That's what scripture says. Now, we're going to look today at managing material possessions. Now, the idea of material possessions not only includes money, uh, but it goes beyond that to all the things that we own. Now, we live in a time of unparalleled prosperity. I mean, the poorest among us enjoys material blessings unknown to people just a few generations previously. And think about this. Most people today, at least in our society, in our country, most people today have a car. 
Most people today have a mobile phone. See, the hardships that the poor experience today are muted and blunt compared to the hardships that people experienced many years ago. Now, I remember uh, hearing a while ago on, on the radio, a man from India who desired, desired to immigrate to the United States. And he eventually did. He immigrated there and they interviewed him on the radio. Uh, they wanted to talk to him about his experience to India and his experience of moving to the United States. So he lived in a poor section of India. And the guy interviewing him said this. He said, why would you want to come to America all the way from India? I mean, you, uh, you left your family. You left your home. Why did you want to come to America? And here's what the man from India said. He said this. Because in America, even the poor people are fat. And, it, and really, it's not all that different here in Australia, is it? And that is an indication that we are materially blessed as a nation. And that is significant. And we know more blessing than any generation ever has. But for many, uh, the problem is not obtaining possessions but rather managing those possessions, and in some cases, disposing of them. I know of individuals so wealthy that they actually have to hire people to give their stuff away. Uh, I know of a person who runs a business in the United States who has a man on his personal staff, and it's that man's personal job uh, simply to minister to pastors. This particular individual buys cases, many cases of books, and he has a list of over 400 pastors, some of whom I know, uh, whom he sends books to, and sometimes somehow I haven't been able to get on that list, uh, but he has a full-time guy on his staff simply there to send out books to the people on that list. Uh, they say, by the way, that Bill Gates really kind of struggles with this. He's so burdened down with money. Oh, sad thing. He's so burdened down with money that he needs help in giving it away. And so the Bill Gates Foundation has employees that are hired just to give the money away. I mean, wouldn't you love to be in a situation like that? Uh, you know, someone, someone actually figured out Bill Gates' net worth. And they kind of figured out how much money Microsoft brings in. And they came up with what they deemed as an hourly wage for Bill Gates. And based on Bill Gates' hourly wage, if Bill Gates was walking down the street and there was a $100 note on the footpath in front of him, it would be a waste of his time to bend over and pick up that $100 note. Now, that is ridiculous. Uh, we are a prosperous generation. And Solomon was a man of tremendous material holdings, uh, a man who wrote many of these proverbs that we're going to read. And he presents timeless advice for our attitudes and our actions regarding physical possessions. So let's see what advice he has to give us from Proverbs regarding material possessions. 
And we're going to start our study by looking at Roman numeral number one. Roman numeral number one says this, our first point, recognize that God is the ultimate source of material blessing. God is the ultimate source of material blessing. Now, I've uh, mentioned it before, and I've put it in our, I think, our newsletter this week, that uh, this idea of stewardship and the fact that God uh, is actually the one who owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He he uh, created us. He made he made us, and we are not our own. We are bought with a price, and we, uh, as uh, as the shareholders, I guess, the caretakers, the stewards uh, of these material possessions that are actually gods. He allows us uh, to use these things for our pleasure and for His glory, but they're actually His. We are His stewards. Now. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. Proverbs 10, 22, this idea of God being the ultimate source of material blessing. And it says there in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, listen to this. People who are Christian people, and who have been blessed financially, have a huge responsibility. It's been said, you know, with uh, much blessing, there comes much responsibility. And that's simply true. That is a, that is kind of a, that's a biblical principle. And sometimes there's a tendency, even among churches, among Christian people, to look at someone who has money and just kind of sneer at them. But listen, if God has blessed someone uniquely uh, in a financial and a material way, do not be that person's critic. Now, God has given them that money and those material possessions for a reason and for his own purposes. Now, what might those purposes be? Well, let's uh, let's look at letter A under Roman numeral number one. Letter A. Material prosperity is sometimes the result of God's direct blessing. It's sometimes the result of God's direct blessing. And I do say sometimes, and we'll find that out here in a bit. Uh, But that is the case of Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. Uh, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. It is sometimes a result of God's direct blessing. Let's look at Roman numeral number one under that. God's blessing results in actual prosperity. Actual prosperity. Not not this mirage of prosperity brought about by things like debt. Now, let's kind of pause there for a moment. Um, when When we talk about material possessions, there are a lot of people who have in their custody... A lot of things that don't really belong to them. Uh, I have a car in the U.S., uh, and that is an example of one of those things. Uh, I bought it for my son to get around uh, it with. And somebody may ask, is that your car? Well, it's mine, and it's teacher's credit unions. I'm currently trying to pay it off so I can... Uh, snatch it out of the clutches of 
Teachers Credit Union. They actually own the title uh, and they have the right to it right now. And if you'd look at that car, uh, uh, you might think, oh, a new car, he must have a lot of money. No, I owe money on that car. And many of us, many of us owe money on a house or a vehicle or furniture or something like that. And there are some people who owe money on just about everything they have. And that idea of material prosperity, it's a facade. Uh, now, that is not particularly the direct blessing of the Lord when it's incurred by debt. When God blesses, one is rich in actuality, not in mere appearance. Now, let's look at number two. Material prosperity is not always an indication of God's direct blessing. Material prosperity is not always an indication of God's direct blessing. Now, I chose those words very carefully. God's direct blessing. Uh, of course, if you follow Christian principles, the principles of Scripture uh, concerning finances, either knowingly or even uh, unknowingly, you will succeed over the guy who ignores them. But there are other avenues to material prosperity, and they would include, in fact, what we just talked about, debt, uh, that mirage of prosperity, uh, hard work, yes, inheritance, yes, there are some people who inherit large sums of money, uh, investment can bring prosperity, Circumstances that come into our life, or even dishonesty. Yes, people become wealthy through dishonesty. Outward prosperity, then, is not always indicative of God's direct blessing. Now, some people, God has directly blessed and prospered. Now, I knew of a guy who was an auto mechanic. Uh, he only had an eighth grade education. Uh, but he started a business uh, with just a couple of uh, bays. He was a mechanic. Uh, he started uh, with just a couple of bays, and his business grew into a garage with eight bays. God blessed him. He was a clear, uh, he was a dear Christian man who put the Lord's work first. And he gave away much of what he earned to help people. And uh, as I understand, a traveling evangelist one time came to his shop and um, uh, he wanted to get his truck work done, and he left it there, and he was going to come back in a few days to pick it up. And as they looked at the truck, they found there were really far too many problems with this truck that could ever be fixed. I mean, it would just wasn't going to make it back on the road. It wasn't going to be a safe vehicle. And so this garage owner just uh, struggled in, uh, about the thought of how he was going to break the news to this poor evangelist that uh, he couldn't fix his truck. Uh, so he thought about it and he eventually hopped in his car and he went down to the local auto dealer and he bought a truck, a brand new truck with all the bells and whistles on it for well over $50,000. And he, he just gave it to the evangelist when, he, when the evangelist arrived to pick up his old truck. And he had a new truck. And you could see the direct blessing of God being poured out on that mechanic, how he 
uh, prospered and his business grew and grew. Uh, and uh, it was because he was so faithful to the Lord in ministering to people, in using his money for God's glory and uh, the furtherance of God's kingdom. That would be an example of God's direct blessing. Well, let's look at letter B. God's blessing results in material prosperity that is free from anxiety. See, God's blessing, God's prosperity is free from anxiety. Let's look again at Proverbs 10 and verse 22. Uh, again, it says this, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. It is material prosperity that is free from anxiety. When misery accompanies prosperity, that prosperity is not directly from God. If you have anxiety, even though you have a lot of riches, don't consider those riches to be a blessing from God. Because the Bible is more interested in your personal peace than your material prosperity. Well, let's look at Roman numeral number two. Roman numeral number two is this. Material things should be obtained through the right means. The right means. We should obtain mater uh, material things through the right means. Now, how do we get material uh, possessions today? How do we get things? Well, let's look at one of those ways. Letter A, hard work and honesty. Hard work and honesty. Now let's look at Proverbs 13 and verse 11. And uh, I'm going to do something I normally don't do. I normally uh, list these verses in the New King James, but I think the, the King James, uh, I'm using the King James because I think it more accurately conveys the meaning here. Uh, but Proverbs 13 and verse 11 says this, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Now, the New King James says, uh, talks about wealth gathered by dishonesty, but I think the, the, the essence here is vanity. Now, what does it mean to get wealth by vanity? Well, it implies, uh, vanity implies something that is unsubstantial or worthless. Now, the Old Testament often uses this word for the worship of idols. Uh, it is that which is unprofitable. Understanding that, let's go to point one under letter A here. Wealth procured, pro procured by vanity is fleeting. Wealth procured by vanity is fleeting. Now, that would include things like uh, pyramid schemes and the lottery and, you know, get, get rich quick schemes and things like that. All such wealth vanishes quickly, as quickly as it comes. Uh, now listen to this, please. Listen to this. There is no such thing as easy money. No such thing. And if you meet up with easy money, easy meaning uh, gotten by vanity or emptiness or through no effort, if you meet up with easy money, the Bible teaches that that kind of money is rapidly diminished. It's rapidly diminished. 
Now, a while ago, there was an investigative report on the curse of the lottery. And in it, they traced the lives of individuals who had won the lottery and, and found out that these people, uh, for the most part, they were nice, decent people uh, who, after they came upon all these millions of dollars uh, from the lottery, were completely ruined. Uh, they lost their families. They lost friends and, and loved ones. And, and some of them even fell into abject poverty and bankruptcy. Now, why? Well, because the scriptures tell us wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Now, why is this the case? Well, let's look at letter A. Under number one, letter A, easy money is not highly valued. Easy money is not highly valued. What comes easily also spends easily. You know, people who all of a sudden get a windfall have a brand new list of needs and wants. And they usually indulge themselves. Why? Well, they're not valuing money, uh, the money that they have. And I'll tell you what, we all kind of do that, don't we? Uh, we don't value money today like maybe we should. Uh, maybe we've never had a big windfall like that. Uh, but wasn't there a, a time for most of us when, when $100 was, was a small fortune? And today, we're a little more prosperous. So $100 really doesn't mean as much. Uh, you know, we, we, we could spend $100 on, a, on, a on the next new video game. Uh, now listen, we need to be very careful about this. Because the truth is, $100 is still $100. Uh, the value has not changed, but our attitude has changed. And sometimes we become careless with money. Well, point B. Point B is this. Easy money does not include the financial lessons that come with work. Easy money does not include the financial lessons that come with work. <clears throat> Work is a wonderful teacher. Now, God said after the fall to Adam, he said, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. In other words, he says, you're going to have sweat. You're going to have labor. Uh, and labor, labor is good. And it's healthy. And it's a good teacher. And it is good for young men. Uh, to be to work hard. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.27, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And that means to perform hard work. And it comes with an education that books cannot provide. Well, let's look at letter C. Letter C is this. Easy money is typically temporary. It is. It's typically temporary. Now, why? It has no vehicle for replenishment. Or maybe it's driven by unique circumstances that may be here one day and may be gone the next. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, if a person wins the lottery, chances are that they'll only win it once in a lifetime. You know, many, of, uh, many who win the lottery actually blow it within just a few years. And they end up in, wor in a worse financial condition that they, than they were before. 
Now, some people who strike it rich, uh, they do so on some sort of uh, speculative thing. You know, they kind of uh, hop on the next fad that comes along and all of a sudden they've, they've got some money. Maybe they create the next fad. Uh, but there's nothing that drives that speculation because it's not a regular industry. And so it folds very quickly. Oftentimes, like we said, it's based on a fad that only lasts for a short while. And then people kind of move on to the next fad. And there is no driving force behind easy money. Now, listen, you probably already know this, but I'll say it anyways. Don't ever fall for any of those internet offers, ever. If someone sends you an email and you don't know them, they are not your friend. Uh, they're trying to take advantage of you. Now, I don't know how many times I've had some Nigerian prince write to me and let me know that he needed to offload some of his money, some of his millions of dollars very quickly. Uh, and of course, he's a He's a good Christian man, so uh, he's decided the entirety of his millions should go to some deserving pastor, uh, and he wants, to, he wants to send it all to me, and uh, I can, uh, he, he's going to funnel it through my account, uh, and I'm going to be the custodian for it, and I can use it for uh, whatever I want, and all I've got to do in order to get these millions of dollars is send them maybe a few thousand dollars. Uh, in, in money for handling charges. And I get me, emails like that every so often. Did you know there are people that actually fall for those offers and send the money? But I'll say it again. Easy money is not real money. It's not real money. Don't be fooled. Well, let's look at number two. Hard work and honesty ensure increasing wealth. Hard work and honesty ensure increasing wealth. Now let's look back at our verse again. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. If we gain because we work, it is the increase of true wealth. The pain of labor teaches the necessity of wisdom and thrift. When you work for it, you appreciate it. When you sweat for it, you are less likely to dole it out for something that, it, that is on impulse. Because uh, it took time and it took pain and it took labor uh, and effort to amass that money. You know, a while back in the U.S., uh, they came out with a study that said that students who earned their own way through university actually were more successful and valued their education more. And the obvious reason for that, I guess, would be that if you're investing in something with your own money, if you're working for it, uh, you're going to want to get your money's worth. And you're going to attend all your classes and you're going to do all the work that's necessary. Uh, so that uh, you have something to show for your, your investment. And there's certainly uh, also more of a sense of achievement that you got yourself through. You did it. But even apart from that, they found that working a little during the school year helped develop 
a, a sense of organization and good time management, which actually resulted in higher grade point averages. And even some employers, such as McDonald's, uh, which my boys work for, offer scholarships uh, to their employees that help to pay for their university costs. And it's also a great benefit not having to be crippled with student loan debt, uh, which has to be paid back after graduation. All of these things are benefits of hard work. Uh, and there are many benefits attached to good, honest work. You know, it's part of God's plan for us. Like we said, even uh, last time, it glorifies him and it teaches us many life lessons, like how to appreciate the money we've earned. And there's also the sense of satisfaction as we look down at the food on our table, knowing that it is a gift from God as a reward for good, honest labor. The Bible emphasis is on wealth gotten through labor. Wealth is always available for those who are willing to work for it. Well, let's look at another means of getting wealth. Look at letter B. Another means of getting wealth. Effective resource management. All right. Effective resource management. Now let's look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4. Proverbs 14 and verse 4 says there, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but with but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Now, a clean or an empty crib, a trough, indicates there is there are no oxen to feed. And hence, you're, I guess, in a sense, you're free of the trouble of cleaning and caring for the animals and expenses might be less. Uh, he's saving money and effort, right? But this advantage is kind of offset by the end of the verse. Because without the use of oxen, this verse implies the harvest won't be that great. Uh, to be productive, one must use the appropriate means. For the farmer, oxen are indispensable. So a wise farmer is going to see to it that his oxen are numerous and in good condition. And that may mean a messy trough and the spending of food. But in the end, even more increase comes in. Every successful effort involves obtaining and employing our resources to multiply that return. Be careful with the resources that you have and use those resources to multiply a greater return. Now, I'll tell you what. It's always a great feeling to have fancy, shiny new tools. At least for me, it is. Uh, I'm sure for some of you also. And I buy them from time to time. But if all I do is collect tools and I never use them, I won't get any return on my investment. So uh, if I want to earn the money so that I can buy even more and fancier tools, I need to put to work the ones that I have. And that means they won't stay new or even clean for long. But the reward is worth it. Use the resources you have for your advantage. Well, let's look at a, another means of material prosperity. Righteous living. Righteous living. Let her see. 
And this, by the way, is for the long haul. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 in verses 3 and 4. Proverbs uh, 24. Proverbs chapter 24 in verses 3 and 4. There it says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now that tells us, Roman numeral, or sorry, number one under letter C, wisdom, and that is the, the proper use of knowledge, wisdom establishes a home. Wisdom establishes a home. Again, through wisdom is a, a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Wise choices, wise choices made over the long term will result in strong, stable homes, including financial stability. So what do we need? We need wisdom. And I especially implore the young, gain biblical wisdom for handling every aspect of life, especially your finances. Gain biblical wisdom. It is through wisdom that we can succeed in these areas of life. But not only that, number two, knowledge is the key to material prosperity. Knowledge is the key to material prosperity. Again, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, that's what we're talking about today. Following biblical principles, gaining the knowledge we need through the scriptures, avoiding debt. Uh, being cautious with our money, giving to the Lord's work, uh, having a good work ethic. That's scriptural. Uh, Investment principles. Yes, they're found in the Bible. Uh, Multiplying investment returns. And then uh, consumer principles. Now, what is that? Not buying things on impulse. All of these conservative principles are taught in the scriptures. Righteous living will eventually accumulate wealth, but it comes over that long haul. It's not instantaneous. Now, listen very carefully here. There is no prosperity theology found in the Bible. No prosperity theology found in the Bible, except for hard work and thrift. Hard work and thrift. That is the only prosperity theology in the Bible, hard work and thrift. And these preachers that get on TV with a Rolex dangling from their arms and, and, you know, they declare that if you send them $100, they're going to send you back a a prayer cloth and you're going to prosper. Well, that is utter baloney. There's not anything about that in the Bible. But the Bible does teach that hard work and thrift Following biblical principles will ultimately bring financial success and a measure of material prosperity. Well, let's look at letter D. This is our final point, letter D. Humility and fear of the Lord. That is another means to material prosperity. Humility and the fear of the Lord. Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 4. Proverbs 22 and verse 4. And the Bible tells us there, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, again, 
Listen closely. It is not that God desires to withhold blessings from you. It's not that God desires to withhold blessings from you. Uh, but the fact that you must put yourself in the place of God's blessing. And God does not bless everyone equally. That's just a fact. God does not bless everyone equally, but it is always fair. Because God's blessings are contingent on our obedience to the principles of the word of God. And some of the principles of the word of God really are uh, are immutable laws that God has set in this universe to make things work. And even, listen to this, even unsaved people who don't know the Bible, uh, but who by accident follow the principles contained in the scriptures, uh, because a lot of them are common sense, even they will find themselves prospering, not really understanding that what they're doing is what the Bible teaches. But my emphasis here is this, a right relationship with God, walking with him, humility, fearing him, that is a pathway to material blessing. And not only that, but to honor a reputation and a name that is sterling and upright. And he says that is the way to life, humility and the fear of the Lord. Now, in the verses that we, uh, that we read in the beginning there, it is better to have a vegetarian diet and be happy and have love than to have all the stake in the world and be filled with hatred and have hatred around you and contention. It's better to be satisfied with the little that you have and be joyful or as we heard before, it's better to be poor and to be happy that, that, uh, that you don't even know you're poor than it is to have everything in the world and to be miserable. And when God blesses materially, the Bible says he adds no sorrow to it or with it. He adds no sorrow with it. Money doesn't have to make you miserable if it's a blessing from God. There'll be no sorrow added with it. Let's obey these principles. Let's live these principles and enjoy the Lord's blessing and our material prosperity for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And thank you for its clarity. What wonderful principles that you've given us here in your word, in this wisdom book, the book of Proverbs. And we've barely even scratched the surface today. Lord, would you take the word of God and help us to apply it to our lives in very specific ways. Make us better stewards of what you've given us, more faithful than uh, with, the, with the thousands we're surrounded with that you've given us, thousands of things. Big things and little things. And Father, give us thankful hearts for the material prosperity that we do enjoy. And Lord, make us careful to use it for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.